Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. And welcome to Secure the Insecure, the podcast that I say it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seifert, and every week I'm joined by one very special guest. My guest this week, you last heard on Secure the Insecure, on episode 42 in July 2020, when she released her book, The Unwelcome Visitor. With such versatility, whether she's talking about mental health, her weight loss of life to life, or her incredible acting and singing career in shows, including Corey, Waterloo Road, Hollyoaks, The Showman, etc. You know, you know what the game is. To name just a few, she's here to continue to inspire me. It's for that reason that when in November 2020, we had a really nice walk around a very derelict London, and she told me about a TV show she was filming. And I said to her, I had to get you on the podcast because it is so important that we open up this conversation, especially as what we've seen in the news over the past couple of weeks. I'm delighted to say, joining me to talk about her new series on crime and investigation survivors, it's Denise Welsh. Hello, Denise. Hi, Johnny. Was that November we went on our walk? And there was no one there. It was amazing. Do you remember how amazing it was, how empty London was? We literally walked all the way through London and we didn't see a single person. I know. Unbelievable. I can't believe it was November. But yeah, I was just, I, I was just filming it yet then, of course. Yeah. And we were so showbiz. I don't know if I can say, but I'm going to tell anyway. We had such a showbiz trip that we ended up in Boots. How showbiz is that? <laughs> boots at Piccadilly Circus. Yes, it did. Very showbiz. Only you, only you. So let's talk about Survivors. I've seen the first episode and you are amazing in it. I've got to tell you, you are amazing in it because you've got no notes in front of you. You're sitting on a sofa. You've made the person who you're interviewing so comfortable and it just seems so natural for you to do an interview like that. Well, thank you that, that, that you're uh, aware, aware of that. And, and I think that because I, I was very moved by the survivors because many of them had been um, asked to do a sort of a, a, a more of a longer interview about their, the events that have happened in their life before and had chosen not to because they said that sometimes when they've been interviewed for different things, people were trying to, um, it, it was almost trying to, trying to psychoanalyze them a little bit. Why do you think that happened? Do you think there's anything you could have done about this? Did you not see, you know, I wasn't like that. I came at this because of my, passion for true life crime genre, wanting to know the who's, the why's, the wherefores. Always been interested in how people survive violent crime. As Yes, there are great shows about the perpetrators and I am just as gullible and want to find out about their lives, but I've often wondered about the people left behind in their wake. And, um, and, and then of course, because of my mental health advocacy about what makes people tick, which is what you and I have both experienced and spoken about before. So, 
I would, I would meet with the survivors before the interview and just um, talk to them about the fact that I wasn't trying to pretend to be some kind of pretendee investigative journalist, that I was an actress with an interest in them and for them to just talk and I was going to listen. And they were all aware, they'd all come to this aware of how I had spoken out about mental health before and that's what made them feel that they were in a comfortable space. So I was quite touched by that. And I literally just, um, I just listened. And that's the thing, you don't want to come across as a therapist. You're not there as a life coach. You're not there as a journalist to sensationalise to get a news line in a newspaper. You're literally there to say, look, tell me your story. What do you want people to take away from it? Absolutely. And that's exactly what it was, because, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a journalist. I'm not trained in any of those, of, of those things. All I can be there is, as I say, just to, just to listen and to empathise and to highlight the strength that these incredible people have shown to choose to become not a victim, but a survivor. All six of them are just um, fascinating. And the fact that you're not a journalist, how did you cope mentally with it? Because it's very hard to take on someone's story like that. You know, people like Sammy Woodhouse, who's been very open about what's happened to her in the past. But hearing that firsthand and then taking that home with you and then you've got Holly Oates or you're doing Lucy Men and you're yeah. playing in your head all these different hats, then you're a mum and then you're a wife again. How did you mentally cope with all that? Well, I think, I think because of those many hats is, is kind of what helped me, that I didn't have a lot of time to dwell on things afterwards because I was going, you know, wife, mum, Hollyoaks, loose women, all these different um, juggling things. But also, I think because I came away inspired rather than devastated because I'm seeing them when they have turned their lives around afterwards and seeing the strength that they showed when they were talking about their, their, their story. I mean, talking to Christopher Spry, the guy who, um, whose mother Eunice Spry was, was told by the judge it was the worst case of child abuse he'd ever seen. And hearing the way that Christopher talks about it almost in a matter-of-fact way, because he says that the way that he's dealt with it for the last nearly 20 years, because he's 33 now, I think he was 16 when it, when, when it ended, is that he almost has to talk about it as if it happened to somebody else. I mean, and there's so many shots that they've tried to cut around Johnny, but so unattractive, me literally going, you know, I, mean, I can't believe what I'm, what I'm hearing. And um, so I came away more sort of, um, more... More, more inspired, um, really. And then you know me, my relaxation is to delve into my American reality shows that we love, that you and I love. Um, and, um, and, and that's kind of like a meditative process for me, just to leave it all behind, just to sit down with Below Deck. So you, instead of doing what you would have done back in the day of going on Netflix and finding out even more crimes, you went, Captain Lee, just take me on a ship and just send me back to America. Absolutely. Mind, I, I mean, I still, I still do watch more crime. I can't, I can't deny, deny that. But mostly if I watch something, you're completely detached from it as well. With the show being called Survivors, what does the term survivor now mean to you that you might not have thought of before? People have often said to me, you know, you're a real survivor. And I've thought, am I? Am I, am I a survivor? And it wasn't until I was writing The Unwelcome Visitor that you, um, that you kindly mentioned that I actually thought to myself, do you know, I am a bit of a survivor when you actually analyse what you've been through. Because I think you don't think of it in those, in, in those terms. 
So I think there's different ways that you could consider yourself to be a survivor. I'm a survivor of living with a crippling mental illness for 32 years, which has completely controlled my my life. You know, I've had a little boy who was very, very sick and is now fine and, and, and stuff. So there's different ways of looking at that word. But I think that now to survive something like violent crime is a real mindset because there are some people and there is nothing wrong with this. And I completely understand that some people don't want to come out and try and help other people and talk about what's happened to them. They're so traumatized by it that they just want to keep it between themselves and their family and deal with it in their own way. And that doesn't make them any less as a survivor. But these people have really chosen to think, my perpetrator wanted to make me a victim of his crime, and I will not give in to that. I am going to survive this. I'm going to live a wonderful life. I'm going to get it well from my physical scars. I'm not going to let my mental scars define me. And I'm indeed going to go further than that and talk about this to hopefully help other people in, in my position. So it's a real, real strength of character that they're, that they're showing. 100%. And, you know, with your book, The Unwelcome Visitor, we all said it had to be a Bible by your bed. You had to be able to pick that up and go to it as a reference point. And the same for this documentary series of going, I think that happened to me. I'm going to watch this and see what those signs were. When you're doing those interviews then, so you've done the interview and then you've come off camera, what then happens? Because they've just started to open up to you and trust you. And then obviously the camera's cut and you've got a TV show being made, but these are real people's lives. This is your emotions well, as well. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what's what's been hard is is not being able to sort of give everybody a great big hug, you know, because obviously we were in the middle of the pandemic when we were when we were filming, and that's been really hard because it's the first thing I've wanted to do when I have met them and we have said you know bye bye to them. We come off camera and I still have a million questions, and by that time they really feel that they know me. Bethany, we've sort of kept in touch a, a, a little bit. I just like to make sure how she's doing. I keep in touch with the producers to find out how all of them are doing. I'm really, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to, to seeing how how they feel about how they feel about the, the show because we have been, in, you know, working with the channel and we've been incredibly sensitive to all of them. And we also told them as well that whatever they said during the interview, if they suddenly went home and thought, "Oh, I wish I'd never said that," that would be out. This is not being a um, oh, sign this and you know you sign your life away and we put anything. We, we want out that's not the case at all anything they decide at any point they don't want in I don't think it's happened to be honest because they've felt sort of fairly relaxed and then off they've gone on their merry way but I really feel like I've got to know them all in such a in such a because to, to hear people telling the really dark sides of their of their life it's quite it's quite unbelievable to hear those stories firsthand and that's why the Crime Investigations channel is the perfect place for it to go. And talking of mental health, now people are feeling you came off Twitter recently, which, you know, gutted me, I lost a follower. But how has it helped you mentally with that? Do you know, Johnny, it wasn't an intention. I was talking to Matty on, on the Sunday night, Mother's Day, just gone. I was having a really low day, not, not a depression day. I've been very lucky with that recently. Um, I, haven't had an ep I haven't had an episode since September 2019 which is the longest I've ever gone in 32 years. Matthew's birthday is April the 8th, so it's 32 years since I started with my depression. And um, I've never gone this long, like a year and a half, ever in all those years. So that's really quite something for me. Um, even if it came tomorrow, that's still the longest time. 
so I was talking to Matty and, and, and I said to him, you know, I said, I find Twitter such a toxic place at the moment. Everything that the pandemic has, you know, it, it's made everybody so divisive and the whole Meghan and Harry thing and then the awful story of Sarah Everard and everybody with all of that. And I just thought, it's, I'm seeing the worst in people on here. And Matthew said to me, well, mum, why don't you have, so, and I said, but you know, I don't want to lose 500,000 followers from a work point of view when I have things to promote. And Matty said, well, why don't you have someone do it for you? Anyway, the next morning I woke up and my Twitter had gone, 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 gone. I mean, to the point that it said, log in. I've, I've never happened to me in 13 years. I couldn't log in. It wouldn't let me. I used every single password I could remember, every single email from the last 13 years. Phoned Carol McGithin, who put me on it 13 years ago. She said, well, you used to have this email. We tried that, tried that, nothing. Twitter support, were useless. And, and after 10 days, I just thought, I still woke up in the morning and went, oh, oh. And then I thought, actually, I feel a million times better away from that toxic environment. And when I think about the people, you know, my younger son said to me, he said, mom, anybody that really, that really feels they do care about you or really it, it does feel that they learn anything from you or anybody who does feel invested in the work that you do, they'll follow you on Instagram anyway. I just thought I'm going to leave it behind. And it's one of the best things I've done. I completely agree. I think it's got such a toxic environment now. And I think also, not that you aim to be toxic, but the fact that if there's a conversation going on, for example, about COVID, you're naturally going to want to respond to that. You're going to want to put your circle to something that doesn't go the right way. And it made me angry, Johnny. It made me, I, I'd be angry at the start of the day. So angry, you know. And, um, and, and now, I'm, now I'm not because I'm not on there. It's quite weird. And there's certain, amazing, things that are, there's certain things I'll see on a news site. And, I, and, and my natural reaction is to want to comment on it. And then I think, why? Who cares? You're not changing anything. Just don't get invested in it. And, you know, I still am on top of the news. I don't, I don't like to do, you know, I've got some friends who do a real head in the sand approach about life. And sometimes I get a bit angry about that because I think you should be aware of what's going on. But, um, but I don't have to be personally involved in it to the extent that I was, and it's better for me. And also the thing is, you're not having to start your career and rely on social media to make your career. Everyone knows who no. you are. We all know what amazing actress you are. We know that you can sing, we know you can present, whatever. Whereas some people like me, I'm still having to prove my, my purpose out there. Oh, you're proving your purpose, Johnny. Oh, shush. Um, talking of purposes and people doing well, uh, Matty, Brit Award for the 1975 nominee. Hello. I know. How amazing is that? I, and I texted him and went, best group Brit Award. And he went, oh, thanks, Mum. I said, thanks for telling me. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I remember, what was it, two, was it two years ago? When I was doing Calendar Girls, the musical, and, and he was up for two awards and, uh, at the Brits. And I was having to um, have it in my dressing room, a bit like I'm sitting like this now. And then I'd hear my call and have to go on stage and, and then not know if they'd won till I came back. And that was the year they won too. So this would be absolutely in, um, in, in incredible. I'm so proud of them, especially, you know, this year, last year. Well, how's he found it this past year? Because obviously, you know, he's had his own battles of addictions as well. And when you are 
such an act like the 1975 and your adrenaline isn't coming from the drugs now, but it's coming from the audience and you're thriving off that audience energy and that's what's giving you your purpose. How has he found that purpose of not being able to go on stage in the past year? He's actually really enjoyed it. I think COVID forced his hand. They've produced some incredible stuff. He's in the studio every day writing amazing stuff. He has a wonderful girlfriend, Twigs, and they are very, very happy. And um, I couldn't be happier for, um, for them both. And they're both incredibly creative and uh, he'll be back performing again in 2022. I think that was the thing. You needed to have that gap. Obviously, you haven't because you haven't stopped working. But, you know, a lot of us needed to just set again and just go, OK, who am I? What am I? What do I actually want to get out of this? I think well, it reset a lot of people's pri- I think it reset a lot of people's priorities. I mean, obviously, and I, Lincoln, on, Lincoln and I are nine years sober now, so we... We had taken a lot of the superficialness out of our lives in any, any way. We'd realised that we actually like a very small, a very small life. You know, I, I'm desperate to be able to go abroad again. I'm desperate to be able to go to Los Angeles again and see my friends there. But, but, but bar that, we're very happy. We've never slowed down in lockdown because we've both been so busy throughout it. But just going to work, coming back, having some nice food and being with each other is really all I want. Hold on a minute, hold on, hold on. You're just wanting to go back to Los Angeles and see your friends. You're only wanting to go there because you want to get on all these reality shows on Hey You because you've befriended all of them now. I do have a few reality friends like Sheena. Sheena's having a baby. You know Sheena from Vanderpump Rules. Did you ever get into Vanderpump Rules? No, but you... Was it that was that, was she the one who you introduced me to at Lizzie Pundit's party? Was that them or was that someone else? No! That was the guys from Mexican dynasties that I became really I can't friendly keep her. with. I can't, but they I haven't renewed that. They haven't renewed that show, Mexican dynasties, and, and then I went out partying with them in well, sober partying, of course, in, um, in 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 Los Angeles. I couldn't believe it. So yeah, that is true that I do, but I have to try and befriend Captain Lee. Oh, when he um, follows us both on Twitter, so I don't. Well, he does, but he doesn't seem to respond that. to me. He just responds to you. <laughs> If you were to go on, on his cruise ship next year, you could go, let's do this. If you go with five celebrities who you haven't met yet, who would they be, dead or alive? Oh, my God. Johnny, that's too much for me to think about. I'm going to have to think about that one. Five celebrities. They'd have to be, so, they'd have to be sober people. I couldn't, go with any, I couldn't go with anybody who drank. So we'll have to think of five sober celebrities that I can go with. You'd obviously be one of them. Well, yeah, I don't drink. That's true. Um, fine. Well, come text me the answers later. Um, I will. Let's bring this all together. Then. So obviously you've got survivors out now. That's you as a journalist. I know that you're not a journalist, but you are doing a form of journalism. Then you've got Hollyoaks at the moment and you're Trish Minerva. How are you finding being back in a site? Because we loved you, obviously, in Corio ways years ago. We loved you on EastEnders and you had your little stint there. Now you're back in a soap again. Later on in life where we're seeing a lot in the media that people of your age aren't getting those big jobs now. How are you finding being back down with the youth? Well, as Lincoln said, looking at all the, you know, how everybody's so good looking in Hollyoaks, he said a few years ago, those lads wouldn't have got out alive. You know, everybody's just so, so, so beautiful there. It's just, oh my God, I'm loving it. There are such a lovely bunch of Hollyoaks. I mean, I would love to hope that I'm there when we can lift the COVID restrictions because even though I'm so lucky that the soap operas are leading the way in how to film with the COVID restrictions. It's unbelievable, really. And, and yet to make it not look like that on television is incredible how they, how they do it. 
Um, but it would be nice that, you know, we could all go and sit in a big green room together and all lounge on our sofas and get to know people that way. Obviously, we can't, we can't do that. There's four units filming at any one time. Normally, we would be crossing the units, a couple of scenes here going over to that unit, and that doesn't happen. So you kind of have your own unit, and that's your storyline. But, you know, Trish is a very complex character with many layers, and that's what attracted me to her. So although a lot of the young fans are quite brutal, even on Instagram, and, you know, they don't like Trish, they don't like Trish because she's a narcissistic. There's a lot of people live with very passive-aggressive people. There's a lot of people in the dance world and the athletics world who, um, to, in, in their attempt to get these kids to the top of the tree, they are like Trish, and that's what the producers wanted for this storyline. So it is multi-layered, and it's great to, to, you know, great to play. I'm not there all the time. You know, when I was in Coronation Street, I'd be there at 7 in the morning, and you were there all the way through till 7 at night. That doesn't happen, and that's where the way that we're filming at the moment has benefited me. They can't have too many people around who aren't actually working. So when I'm there... I'm filming and then I come home and I'm only 40 minutes away. So it's perfect. I'm working a lot with Nikki Sanderson, who I've known since she was 15. I'm working with Rob Beck, who's Jane Danson's husband, who I've known for 20 years. So it's, um, it's, it, it's like a little home from home, really. I love that. I love it. And obviously Lincoln goes up there as well when you have to do a bit of kissing. Well, he doesn't. Well. He hasn't yet. He's desperate for the call. He's desperate for the call. They haven't called him in yet. There's probably something in Rob Beck's contract saying, you know, <laughs> saying, no, I don't, I, yeah. Keep the kissing um, bits, keep, keep, keep the COVID restrictions going till after kissing. I love that. I love that. And then obviously Loose is, uh, you're still on Loose and you made that big comeback a couple of years ago. How are you finding that now? Because Loose has had a massive change in the past year, especially more than ever before. I miss the audience. There's a couple of the girls, few of the girls like it without an, without an audience. They feel that we can play to each other more rather than playing to an audience because you do tend to play to an audience to a degree, especially if you're a performer like me, you do tend to. And I, but I miss the audience. I really can't wait to get them back. I can't, but all of the things we took for granted, you know, we come out before the show and I tell a few dirty jokes you know, we've got Lee Peart, our amazing warm-up guy, who I just missed hugely, who really is integral to the show. I mean, selfishly, very beneficial to me because of my busy schedule, being able to do it down the line. But you never feel completely part of it, especially because you're doing it down the line like this, and then it cuts to an ad break, and sometimes the, the, the sound guys cut me off, and I, I want to hear all the gossip. It's all the in-between, the ad break stuff that I'm there for. But come April... We think that we can do all four of us back in the studio again. I think so. I think that that's what's great about Loose Women is that we, you know, under the sort of guidance of, of, of Sally and, 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 and Tom and the people that you know there now, that they've got the show back to where it was, which is where we can, we can do a complete gear change from something absolutely bonkers into a really topical, current, serious debate. And, um, and, and the fact that it's, um, it's opinion-led as well, which again is, is, is unique to any other type of show on there. Denise Welsh, you've been amazing. Survivors, you can see on Crime and Investigation. Now, I really urge you to watch all six episodes. They're such important watches. And also, watch Denise on Loose Women, 12.30 on ITV Daily. Go and watch her on Hollyoaks, 6.30 Daily on Channel 4. Pick up her book, The Unwelcome Visitor, out in all bookshops now. Basically, just do what I do and live and live 
and live your life. <laughs> she is an amazing person. You've been listening to Security and Security with me, Johnny Seifert. Until next time, thank you and goodbye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.